This is Ramble Ramble. I'm Matt. And he's Jonathan. And let's get ready to ramble. <laughs> All right, man. It's Ramble O'Clock. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped. This is our first episode. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm glad that the technology exists, that we can be sitting on a snowy day. It's snowy where you are, right? It's snowy. It's not snowing. It's nice out here now, but you're in yeah, the leaves. So. And I'm on the beach, <laughs> and yet the minds have met. Here we are. <laughs> From across the world. See, Zoom, Zoom really did save the world. They did. The future is now, man. <laughs> all right so i'm excited i'm excited for what we're going to talk about yeah yeah me too man i think uh, uh we're we're both looking forward to, to starting something here and and you know we're going to learn as we go so anybody that's listening bear with us uh and offer any comments you can somewhere wherever we post this you'll find it anywhere podcast can be listened to um please share any any feedback you have to help us out moving forward for sure all right, so just recently, the SIU um, came to a verdict that they're not going to be laying charges against an OPP officer in the shooting death of a man in Fergus that happened this summer. It was on August 15th. Um, so Fergus is like this small town that's just outside of uh, Guelph, Ontario. And so I'll break down the situation here for you, John. All right. <laughs> so it's like early-ish in the morning. It's like, a, I think it's like 11 or so. Yeah, 11.20, the police officers get called that this guy's like in his house screaming and yelling. Um, and the the, uh, the 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 guy that owns the building had tried to talk to him a few times, um, but was unresponsive. So he called the police and the police came and uh, knocked on his door, knocked on his door, didn't come, didn't come. Finally came to the door and didn't want to let them in but they are just telling him like, oh, we're just here to check on you. He's like a wellness check, right? So um, they finally get him to come to the door and he comes to the door and they're talking to him and then he shuts the door and retreats inside of his house and they have to go and get the maintenance guy to open the door to let him let the police officers in. Four police officers go into this guy's apartment. Yeah, and it's just this one guy, right? And, and it's, it's four officers show up. He's just yelling and screaming as an apartment. And granted, like, I understand that's you live in a shared communal setting. Um, and they are there at this point to just like, make sure that he's okay and, and try and see what's going on. See if there's anyone else in the apartment, see if there's, you know, what's up. Yeah. Um, hostage dog or something <laughs> or another occupant, right? You never know. Yeah, they don't know. They don't know what's going on at this point. I think I, um, so they go in, this guy retreats uh, and closes his bedroom door, and there and then the cops, you know, regroup. They see that he's he's got a knife as well. Sorry, I guess I should have mentioned that. They see that he's got a knife, and and you know they enter and they have their uh, tasers tasers out, and they're asking him to drop his weapon, drop his weapon. But he retreats into the bedroom and closes the door, and they are like, okay, so they leave and try and figure out what's going on. They try and call uh, mental health negotiators. They're unable to make it. And then they call the ERT team, which is the emergency response team. So it's like Canada's SWAT team uh, to come and help. And they're like 30 to an hour away. So it's not looking like they're going to be of much assistance right out of the gates. So they basically sit there. And after about 30 minutes, they enter one, the cops enter. I think it's three of them go in and they have negotiations with this guy in his room. 
um, where he's barricaded in his closet holding onto a knife and they're telling him to drop the knife. He's telling him he can't, that he wants to kill himself. Um, and the cops keep just trying to ensure or reassure him that they're there to help him, that they're there to, to just make sure that he's okay. They don't want anyone to die. He keeps, you know, he's clearly in distress. Uh, so this goes on for, like I said, about 30 or 40 minutes. And then they start, uh, they, they just escalate. I don't know. I don't know really why, like they just start pepper spraying and that doesn't work. And then they pepper spray him again and he lunges out of the, out of his closet. And he's again, he's holding onto a knife. Right. And they're in this little small bedroom. There's three officers and one guy. So it's tight space. And this guy's clearly unpredictable. Two officers, I, I, I read that two officers had discharged their um, their tasers and it didn't have any effect. So like the nodes must not have gotten through the, the clothes or didn't create that whatever, that circuit. Um, and there was a little scramble and he lunged at one officer who had his firearm out and he shot him uh, four times in the chest. And, and then that was the end of it. Uh, that, would, that would bring it to an end. It brings it to an end. Yeah, it was, you know, sounds horrible. It does not sound like a good situation for uh, any police officer to be in. It just sounds like shitty for the community. Fergus, it's a small town, had something like that happen. It's that's horrible all around. Um, so earlier this week, uh, the SIU had said, like I said at the opening of this, that they are not going to be pressing any charges against the OPP officer. And I understand, and I think it makes sense. Um, based on reading this SIU investigation. But my question is, like, could they have waited to enter that room? Like, they entered the room and had a 30 or 40 minute negotiation where he was stuck in his closet. And it's like, you know, you want to stop someone from trying to kill themselves, but to what end? Like, do you want to be responsible? Do you want to kill them? Like, you're putting yourself in, in that position, I think, in that point. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, do, do you, Absolutely. Well, <clears throat> the, the, hearing the story, I mean, I think you you said the word when you said uh, they escalated, which is kind of that's the moment right there. I mean, he's yelling and screaming in his apartment, right? Right. And then the cops get called, which I have a whole bit about that. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> but for the actual cops, I mean, what, what's the goal here? Uh, the guy is not hurting anybody, right? Other than noise. And I think that's kind of why this story is sad, but also it is interesting because he wasn't out in public. He wasn't at a bar freaking out. He was at home having a really sad house party with himself, <laughs> you know? Well, he was and, having an episode, right? He was in his own home. He was by himself. Right. And he, he was, was probably having, scaring everybody. And also he had had um, earlier that year, multiple other uh, mental health sort of, well, there had been wellness checks and, and sort of mental health concerns and, and people had been calling complaints uh, that had been mm -hmm. filed in the past. I think there was four or something is what I had read. Um, but still, it, it feels like he's in his apartment by himself. They're talking to him, trying to get him to drop his knife. He doesn't drop the knife, but he's stuck in his own closet. There's nobody else except for this guy and three police officers. And then they pepper spray him. And it's like, I know you want him to comply with what you're, you're asking him to drop the knives and stuff. But, and he's saying that he wants to kill himself. 
yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, I just don't understand yeah. why you need to pepper spray him. Like, why can't you just be like, close the door, wait him out? He's only a threat to himself. If you escalate it, he's a threat to himself and you are now a threat to him <laughs> as opposed to a, an aide where you, all the way up until that pepper spray, when they started pepper spraying him, he, they were an aide and acting as such as like trying to get him to drop the weapon, trying to calm him down, trying to find out, you know, what's wrong. Why, like, why did you all of a sudden need to escalate to pepper spray? You could have waited. The earth team was <clears throat> probably not that far away. Maybe they had better tactics available to them. They could throw in a smoke grenade of some kind. And, or, I don't know what, I don't know what they have. I like to be yeah, fantasy yeah. town, but <laughs> I, I love just, smoke grenade. I just feel like so the whole thing took place in two and a half hours from the moment that he showed the police knocked on his door to the moment that he was dead. And and I just wonder, like, could there have been more time? And granted, I don't think based on the situation that the police officers found themselves that him discharging his firearm was absurd. But I just think that could they have avoided even being in that situation to begin with? And I wonder if that gets any scrutiny in cases like this or to what sort of level scrutiny. Well, this, this is what the investigation um, focused on, right? Uh, but not the escalation so much. They, they really, because uh, I read the article too, and it really seems that uh, the, the uh, SIU director, uh, Joseph Martino, said in the report, um, at the time he fired, the officer was no more than a meter from the compliant Complainant? Complainant. Yeah, yeah. What is that? Yeah. From the not. Yeah. Hey, you got cut in the bicep, I think. You got a little laceration. But I don't know. He says, so he said, quote, uh, he might also have been cut by the complainant. On this record, caught in the tight confines of a small bedroom and with nowhere else to go, I accept that the subject officer acted reasonably to defend himself when he met the risk of a potentially deadly knife attack with a resort to lethal force of his own. But to, to your point, if he was, if they had been in the kitchen, then you know it's no they kept encroaching on him right but yeah so yeah it's almost it's almost like just let him sit in the closet close the the door to his room listen Mm -hmm. to what's going on in there and keep your distance like there's no need to to create that lack of space i think the police Mm -hmm. officers created that lack of space um whether it was for this guy's own interest is they like they were acting in this guy's own best interest of trying to help him out. I think in the end uh, resulted in his demise rather than, you know, maybe he could have spent the night in the hospital some other way, but you know, it's, it's sort of demonstrates the difficulty of this job um, and the demand that we put on these people that ultimately are still people. It's a uniform that they wear, but it's worn by people. Um, it, yeah, I think it demonstrates the demand that we put on these people to respond in these situations. And then us even scrutinizing this right now, like they, they acted in a way that I think if I found myself in that exact situation, it would be hard to imagine where you don't act that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are split second decisions that these people are making. They make them day in and day out. And granted, they're not always this massive gravity where life and death situations are at stake. But, you know, often dealing with people in distress, you're interacting with people on often the worst day of their lives. 
and that's it's the job true. and it's it's so tricky it is tricky and and uh i feel bad for the cop but i also like for me one of the you know uh it's an apartment building and this guy is having a freak out and he's screaming and he's yelling and one thing that i find really interesting is that People, I mean, they must have known him, but he had no support network at all at this point because nobody, like you said, the manager knocked on his door and probably told him to shut up. And the next escalation was, well, you know what? We have to call the police. And I'm not blaming the people around this person because this person obviously had a lot of issues and it would be tough to be in that situation. I mean, people have kids, right? They have to work and this guy is having a connection and they can't live. It's 11 in the morning and the cops get called. And that, that is a good thing and a bad thing that I find interesting. That that is where people went. Nobody knocked on his door and said, you know, are you okay or really, and was able to talk him down because they, they probably didn't know him. Right, well, who, um, knows, who knows what the landlord um, said? Mm-hmm. Probably, I mean, my experience with landlords is... When you call the super, if, it's not a good thing. Yeah, yeah. if the super yeah. is banging on your door, <laughs> they're often not polite. No. (laughs) And they're like, we're going to call the cops. Mm. Right. So uh, the other end of it is it shows you a little bit about how real mental health breakdowns that people have, even if they're trying to keep it to themselves, it spills out into the community. And I'm just wondering how much, because we always go right to the cops, which is, which makes sense. That's, that's certainly important, but I'm wondering how much we as the, citizens and we as community members in our community we need to point the finger a bit at ourselves and say well what are we doing to not police our community but to make it a place where people are not freaking out which of course is going to happen that's why we have police i'm just saying in my heart i really feel like we could do more right yeah i think and the families too well i think if if we had I don't know, maybe this utopian view of (laughs) neighbors, um, like what you see in sitcoms. Yeah, that sounds great. If we had that or or had more shreds of that, I think maybe issues like this, when someone is having a freak out or just yelling and screaming in their house, could have been resolved by neighbors and and friends that are close by. Um, That's not to say that all these situations would be resolved by that if we were all more neighborly. Um, but I think some could potentially be resolved if we're, yeah, a little bit more together. Oh, we seem to have lost here. We're all doing that. Oh, you're muted. Now I'm back. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Technical difficulties. <laughs> That's what happens when you're in Belize and I'm in Kitchener. Oh. That's, you know. Still there? Yeah, I'm here. All right. So, yeah, I I think to bring it back to, to what we we're talking about there, I think that it's, uh, it's a real drag that – uh, we don't have that neighborly connection. And I think that the pandemic has, has absolutely deteriorated that even more. Not to say that it was in 
perfect conditions <laughs> pre-pandemic. Um, but I think it's only exacerbated. People have become a lot more lonely uh, during the pandemic. Um, and these sort of instances where someone's alone at home and been cooped up for who fucking knows how long mm -hmm. um, and isolated freaks out. And I think that we've seen a lot of that this pandemic. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's what makes this story kind of a totem almost because it tells a lot of other stories. Like people can feel it. At least when I read it, um, you know, you notice it's not a racial story, right? And they, they don't say the, the dude's race. No, I got no, um, I, no idea. It's a raceless article. It's a raceless, it's a raceless, raceless article. Yeah. Yeah. And even yeah, like which the is a whole... SIU report is, it, it's raceless. There's no, no indication of, of what that is. And, and I don't know if that's a testament that they're trying to cover something up or if that's more just like trying to work in an environment where there is, they don't, they're not, race isn't an issue. It's not a part of it. Yeah. yeah it's almost nice. You know, it's just like, could, it's, race is not part of this story, right? Which leads me to believe that the dude was probably white <laughs> in reality. But, you know, in, I think in a better world, this should be the way, or at least there's an argument. I know people would disagree with that, but uh, it was interesting. So, but the reason I bring it up is that it's not a race story. It's a mental health, loneliness, community yeah. story. And, yeah. uh, you know, and I think the cop honestly was... I'm with the SIU, you know, I, I don't, the way it went, maybe there was that chance to deescalate it, but this guy had two knives in his hand and he was retreating, but he was probably also threatening. Right. 100%. I mean, he, cause he has two knives in his hand. Right. So I feel like the dude might've been pushing for something. I hate to say it, but like, definitely I feel bad for the cop that has to be in that situation with that guy's worst day of his life and has to pull the trigger, which I'm with you. Or I, I think this is what you were saying in the beginning. What else are you going to do? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? I mean, in a, in a situation where it seems as though it's, it seems like it's suicide by cop, right? Like the whole 30, 40 minutes where they're in the bedroom talking with this guy, he's talking about how he wants to kill himself and how he's going to kill himself. And, uh, you know, so it's like they have a duty to try and protect his life. Um, but does that mean that they're going to put themselves in the potential where they're also maybe going to take his life? And that's, you know, suicide by cop it sounds like what maybe not was the motivating factor behind this guy to begin with. But once the cops arrived, I think it may seem like that was sort of what he was trying to do, like not being responsive, not de-escalating on his end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a sticky situation. And I think it really is a testament to loneliness and mental mm -hmm. health and how we sort of deal with that and how the police deal with that. And I think it's comply, comply, comply. And if you're not complying, then it, they go to the next tool in the tool belt. And that was pepper spray. That was tasers. And then that eventually became a firearm. And in situations like this, I wonder if it's better like I said at the beginning, to just sort of let him barricade himself in there. Like if he's talking about kill himself and the option is he kills himself or you might be the one that kill him, 
Like let them sit in there, try and do everything that you do. And if you hear anything change, you can look in, you can find ways to monitor what's going on. But in a room like that, it feels like they could have just shut the door and let him work it out. If he ends up slitting his wrists or slitting his throat or something, like you're there to be able to respond, to give him those life save. You're immediate. Paramedics were staged around the, the fucking block. Like you're ready to rumble. There you um, go. But I, I agree with you that I don't think that the officer should be held accountable. Um, no. I just wonder about the tactics involved and were there maybe different options that could have been exercised uh, that could have saved this guy's life. Yeah. And that's the question. That's, that's, that's why I find it so fascinating is that, yeah, you're right. If they had just, if they hadn't called the cops, right. First. <laughs> and if the cops just didn't go in. Yeah. That's they, like a time they, when they this, went into the bedroom. I don't understand it would be why a whole different in. story. Yeah. yeah. So it's something that's why it, it hits me with uh, a lot of this stuff. It's community. And um, there is a reason why. Um, I mean, we both live in Canada, but any community really is the strength of its members. And uh, especially in a small town, which you brought up, I mean, people all knew each other, too. Right. right. So, you know, you try your best, but. Or at least that's the image of a small town. Yeah, <laughs> whether yeah, that's or not true. that's, that's always true. true is one, one yeah. case. But yeah, it's a it's a sad story, it really. Is there's no winners in this in this no. Burgess story? No, no. Unfortunately, our first topic that we're going to talk about, nobody wins. <laughs> nobody wins. Sorry, guys. Nobody wins. Inflation. So this, I, I think, this is the perfect uh, transition to our next topic. Are you ready to, to move on to number two? I'm ready. I'm going to have some coffee. Right. Let's, let's rumble. Get a little coffee in there. Oh, not rumble. So, let's ramble. <laughs> let's kind of ramble. Ramble and ramble. So what I've been uh, kind of uh, looking into a lot is uh, I really think that if you look at the last six months, the last year, what is the, the word? What is the word of the year? It's got to be inflation, right? I mean, inflation is in every website, every doom scroll. When you're going down, you're going to hit inflation. It's in a lot of conversations. Oh, you know, I bought this cauliflower and it's like $100. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, a used cauliflower. Fucking <laughs> everybody That's right. How am I going to eat that cauliflower rice? So... Uh, you know, used cars have gone up. Uh, new cars have gone up. Is it supply chain? Is it this? What's, what's going on? Why are things getting so expensive so quickly? And what's the word? It's inflation. inflation. <laughs> That's the word, right? But what does inflation mean? What Wait is on. inflation? Why is inflation? Yeah. Well, first, first, I mean, uh, the, the, what's the, the, the kind of simple way of looking at it is prices are higher. That's right. inflate, right? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. It's Absolutely. a devaluing of the currency versus the ability to buy goods. It's the purchasing power. So another way of looking at it is it's the purchasing power of the individual is going down. So you're still making $25 an hour, but your $25 gets you significantly less, which means your $25 has been debased. Yeah. Your money is not as valuable as it was last year. Yeah, it only gets you as far as what $20 used to get you. That's right. Um, for example. And it's, for example, exactly. And it's still going up. And I think 
that so that's why I say it's the word of the year because it really is on people's minds and it's starting to freak people out. I think Which, it's beyond starting to freak people out. I think it's <laughs> like I think people are freaking out. They're freaking out, man. They're freaking out. Freaking out. Um, and I think why it's it's happening is a whole bunch of different shit. I like the pandemic is the quick, easy way of saying it, but all of that shit is is like I mean, extreme climate events that lower yields for our farms uh, yeah. doesn't end the, the pandemic either, right? Like all that shit. Yeah. Unable to, to bring food into the same amount that we have before, that's going to drive price up. Like the demand is there, but the product just is not. Um, you know, it's like, it, 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 it drives me crazy because it's like, uh, I used to live in Halifax mm-hmm. and uh, Halifax has a lot of lobsters. A lot and um they're not way cheaper in Halifax. i mean they are a little bit um but they're not inexpensive considering that they're right next to you and one of the big reasons is that we have a very complicated trade system where lobsters are shipped from nova scotia to china to different parts of canada and to america that we're a big supplier of lobster and it's worth more to sell it somewhere else so that's that's why the supply chain uh, thing, although it is real, I think it's overblown in why inflation. I don't believe that the supply chain is really the reason. But the supply um, chain is so big, right? It's it's yeah. like, what about our inability to get migrant workers in um, during the pandemic? They come in and harvest all that food so that we're not right. able to have that. What about like all the transport trucks and transport workers that have gone down? Um, like we have all of these labor shortages right now, which is, I mean, another topic all in itself outside. But of it's in, that's the beauty of inflation. The inflation topic, it stems from there. Right. Right. Like we didn't have enough truck drivers who knew, <laughs> you know, yeah. but is that really, uh, I actually think that's important, Matt. Uh, is that really a problem that's not solvable? You know, like to me, it's like, just make trucker school. We're printing money. Just make it free. <laughs> they can free uh, for emergency use for six months. Anybody who wants to be a trucker can go to trucker school and get their trucker thing. And they can make 85 to 100 grand a year. I mean, I might sign up. I mean, I think crazy. right now, lots of companies, like big companies that are like trucking companies, transport companies will pay you to get your license. Um, now, whether or so not you can get hired by those companies, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, inflation's going to come from like the supply chain is a huge part of, I think, why inflation has, has gone up. Normally we see inflation rates at what is it, like 1.3 and now we're at like 4.8 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that having the insecurity of the, the global market right now, um, because of the pandemic, because of people's insecurity at work and places closing and the shift in the way that we engage with products, um, has changed and governments closing down businesses and saying which businesses can stay open and which businesses can um, close yeah, and it very more geared towards like the big box stores and stuff. I think, um, yeah, I, I think I bet you CERB and, and all of the government supports that have been out there that people are like, well, I could work and bust my ass and make 
maybe a little bit more than what I'll get on CERB, or I cannot bust my ass and do that. It's like, and it's not even about busting your ass. It's like, it's about what, like the value there is just, I understand that equation doesn't balance out. If I can stay home and be with my family and do those sort mm -hmm. of things and have the time for me versus go to work and work in an environment where a boss is an asshole for money that's not enough that's getting less value that's sucking my life force like yeah of course i'm gonna fucking stay home mm -hmm. uh, of course i'm not gonna go and work this job that is a job and not something like staying at home and being with my family or doing the things that i want to do like so i think those <laughs> i don't know how much that's going to affect inflation directly but um, I think it's all part of the labor shortage and part of the motivation behind people not wanting to return to the same way that it was before because they realize that. But I think that changing these prices uh, and price increase is really, at the end of the day, just like a, it just makes it harder for people who don't make money. Like we've seen prices go up, but wages have been frozen for so long. Mm -hmm. And I think that has a bigger effect the further you go down that income ladder, like the lowest earning people and families and households that affects them greater. Now they're choosing between, you know, one amenity and the other amenity, or necessity and the other necessity. And, and it's, it's real. Like, it's really happening. hundred like percent. That's, that's the thing. I mean, you, 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 you nailed it. Like the fifth, what's 15 bucks an hour. Like, what are you going to do with that at this point? You know, and that's not even minimum wage. Not much so, living where I live, man. You're not doing yeah. that. Yeah. No. So, and it's getting worse so quickly, which is the inflationary pressure. Which the other the other thing, Dukes, that that I think you can look at inflation. Another, what is inflation, or and why, is that inflation is an environment where people are coming after each other. Right. So it's like. My, uh, you know, I have to pay more for the corn that I import. And so now you have to pay more and I don't care if you can afford it or not. And I want to make not just more money to offset my cost, but also to make more money for myself too, because I need to buy other things and everybody's coming after me. I got to still and make a profit. That's right. Because every, they're going to charge me more for cherries. My rent is going up. So the, down, the real downside of inflation that I think doesn't get reported and doesn't really get explained. And when I, that's why I say, what is inflation? It means that people are starting to fight each other, in my opinion. People are starting to turn on one another, and you, I feel it, and they're saying, I'm going to get the max. And you know what? Kindness be damned. There's no, the only important thing is that we're all hoarding. We're all turning into the hoarders. Where it's like, I need to get the most for everything. And I won't let it go for a penny less. And it's just this very aggressive environment where, pe where people are very comfortable with getting mad at each other. So that's my little kind of extra bit of what inflation might be. Yeah, maybe not, ramble, ramble maybe Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, maybe not mad at each other, but like trying to, like just financially speaking, be one up on one another. And I think I'm, I'm thinking like in the housing market here, like when I bought a house in Kitchener, we were able to have, like, we got an inspection, we had conditions, there's all the shit that went, like, under asking. Now, great agent. It's, we did, yeah, we did, <laughs> we really did. 
very important. Um, but uh, but now that's not at all the case, and it, it I don't know if people are operating and it's like they're mad at one another in these situations. I just feel like people realize that they can get away with doing this sort of um, stuff. Like houses going way above asking people are just trying like no conditions. Like you basically just, if you're a seller right now, you're in a position of like extreme power. <laughs> um, and I think that, yeah, I agree that that sort of creates some animosity. I, I know like I've, I've had a couple of people that I know buy houses in the last year during the pandemic mm. and it just sounds so much more of a stressful situation. And like, I, I agree that like, like we're pitted against one another in this sort of battle. And now it's God. like, you just feel like you get raked over the coals all the time. And it's, you know, I think that that festers certain mentality for sure. Um, yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's what I think is the real uh, danger of this whole thing. And look, just to, just to stay with housing uh, prices, which have gone up a lot since 2020. Uh, you know, 35% uh, in 2020 to 2021. But uh, it's also, check this out, it's also that the, um, when the pandemic struck, uh, housing market was, people were worried about it right? Because we were going into a recession, everything was getting shut down. But what the uh, central banks did was lower interest rates back down to almost zero and pump money into the, uh, the system through mortgages, through lending money to banks. And then the bank was like, okay, well, we can give more mortgage to people and we have to. And they saved the housing asset. The governments really on purpose, and this was part of, they said it, we want to make sure that the housing assets do not go down. Housing prices cannot go down in this country. We can't let them go down, which is pitting people who have houses, which if you have a house, phenomenal. I mean, this is the greatest investment ever. It just goes up and it goes up by a lot. But if you don't have a house, if you're a 22 year old uh, and you just don't have a house yet, you're, you're just like, Oh my God. And the government saved the housing. Why didn't they let the, housing market crash so then i could buy something for a lot cheaper no 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 that would be that would be wrong we can never let houses go down so that's what i mean where inflation when you boil down on inflation you see a lot of human versus human um warfare in, in a way which is i that's why i think it's so dangerous because when people are fighting it's not good when they're working together you can do a lot I'm very I, passionate about inflation. I'm telling you. I totally agree, man. I think, uh, <laughs> I, well, I totally agree with like, you know, we're, we're better when we're working together rather than when we're working against one another. Um, what is shitty is that during the times when we're working against one another, there's small percentages of people make a shitload of money. Just raking it in. Like. <laughs> yeah. And, and thus this fucking vicious cycle just continues. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, I, my wife and I feel so fucking lucky that we bought our house when we did, um, because it just seems like more and more of the market is, is pricing us out and I'm not a 20 something. So I can only imagine people who are, you know, like you said, that 22 year old who's looking like, well, fuck, I guess I'm never buying a house here or you got to come up with some creative solutions or be willing to move to somewhere that's not 
Southern Ontario or BC or I mean, really fuck anywhere at this point, if you're willing to move outside of cities, uh, you may be able to find somewhere, but who knows how long. Yeah, that's right. Well, everything's for sale in Belize. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, everything you can. There's a lot of inventory here. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a lot of corruption there. <laughs> a lot of corruption, though. Yeah, unfortunately, that's the, the in Belize right now. There's a uh, I think it's they keep changing it, but it was a nine o'clock curfew for almost the entire year in the whole country. You'd have to go home before nine o'clock. Now it's eleven. But it's very odd living under a curfew, but I don't know. Got to get home, you know? <laughs> but, don't want to yeah, get arrested so, or fined or fucking whatever the hell. Who knows yeah, what happened? Don't want to have to deal with that. No, that's the whole thing. And so the streets are empty. But it must like be weird, like coming from Canada where something like that. I know they did one of those in, in Quebec. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know to what extent was enforced, but it feels like being in another country and having these, you don't want to have to engage with the legal system there. <laughs> it doesn't no. feel like that, but it must be strange. That's good being advice. Being from Canada where like you, that sort of thing seems so completely absurd, must be very strange living in it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's honestly, man, it has convinced me that, uh, curfews are bad <laughs> that's that's my opinion of the curfew there if when you're in a curfew it means that the world is not working properly you know and uh, just the the ability to go for a walk with your dog at two in the morning you know that's that's a right in my that's opinion a, that's a simple freedom right like that's that should a be simple a simple freedom, freedom. i agree yeah, yeah. and and uh, when that's gone, and now that I've seen it, I'm like, you know what? It's not. I'll, I'll never really vote for a curfew. I think it should only be used under the direst of circumstances, and not for. It's been over a year they've had a curfew here. I mean, it's just crazy. But like, yeah. But anyways, yeah, that's the way it is. So, but I'm against them. Sign me up for no curfew. I'm on that list, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on that list. No. As someone who's in bed at fucking 10 o'clock anyways, but oh, that's <laughs> a good still, part of it. still against that shit. It's not about me. No, I've, I've asked a lot of people here, uh, like, you know, what do you think of the curfew? What do you, you know, locals, expats? And uh, I do get some expats who say, oh, I love the curfew. You're crazy. It's the best. And I'm like, well, why, why do you love it so much? They're like, well, because we have to be at home by 10 o'clock, so I can't get too drunk. It solved my my drinking problem. I'm like, you know what? That's crazy. But I self self imposed <laughs> discipline or non self imposed yeah. discipline, man. That's like, right. yeah. Oh, I need. I don't have any fucking discipline at all. That's right. So the government needs to tell me, or someone needs to tell me, force me to have this fucking discipline. <laughs> that's right. That's a sad. You're a sad sack, bud. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's their counter argument. They they love that so much. Some of them. I mean, very few. Oh, for sure. The stupid ones. That's their argument. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Uh-huh. So, well, uh, so what do you think? Should we go to our third bit? Our third section here? Or do we what have was, any more inflation? I think it's inflation, I think it's, it's fuck. They keep telling us that they're going to drop it that they're going to raise interest rates and this is going to drop it down. But I really feel like all of those sort of things, 
I mean, they're way over my head of comprehension of when it comes to economics and how they work, but I really don't think that it's going to have the impact on things that I think are um, really affecting inflation and infecting people directly. Um, I read just to, to close, if you want to close it out. Here no, no, with the, no, no, I love it. This, this, uh, Journalist Armin, I'm going to totally fuck her last name up, so I apologize if she does ever listen to this. Armin <laughs> Yalnizian, she's a contributing columnist for the Toronto Star. And uh, she, oh, I'm sure I did not. Please, <laughs> please, I'm so sorry if, if anyone hears that and they're offended. That is that is not on purpose. Yeah. So when this is her talking about like Bank of Canada saying that they can raise interest rates and that'll have an effect on inflation and hopefully bring it down. So they've all talked about how this is, um, we're, we're in a periodic time. Like it's, it's only for a small little fraction of time are we going to be with this this level of inflation. It's going to normalize and come down. Yeah, that's right. It's transitory. The famous yeah. call from Jerome Powell. <laughs> so she says that, you know, when Bank of Canada raises rates, it doesn't reduce the number of extreme climate events that lower yields on basic food staples. It doesn't end the pandemic and increase migration of migrant workers who harvest our food. It doesn't increase the speed of processing containers in shipyards or trains and truckers to transport our goods. It doesn't reduce labor shortages. It creates more unemployed workers than would otherwise be the case because more firms can't borrow enough to hire more. Oh my God. Um, which I thought was interesting, right? Because I do think that, you know, although raising interest rates will have some impact on some things, but I don't think it's going to change those direct uh, issues that are contributing to, to inflation right now. I don't think that those address it. I think that we're living in different times than we were before when Bank of Canada would raise interest rates. It would change back a lot smoother because those other contributing factors weren't factors so i think that we're living in a little bit more complex times now that to change this sort of inflation it's going to require more than what they've done in the past to change it because what's happened in the past is not what's going on now mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but uh, i could not disagree with that writer more <laughs> i know why you found that that quote that's good that's good uh, you know uh interest rates have never been this low uh, except for in 2008 with the great financial crisis. Uh, traditionally, interest rates, like if you ask any person who bought in the uh, bought a house in the 80s or the 90s, uh, interest rate on a mortgage could be 12 to 18%. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, now it's 2.6 um, uh, for a variable, and you can get 2.3. So now this writer is... Uh, but the number on the other end of that is also much higher. So in the 80s, you could buy a house in Brampton for like $90,000. Whereas why. now, the, you, so if you were to apply the same percentages on them, we'd all be fucked. Well, the, the assets would be less. You see, because right now... By a considerable you, amount, though. Right? Like, what we should have been doing for the last five years is leveraging every penny we could. Like, this is what rich people are doing. Money is so cheap right now because interest rates are so low that we can loan as much money as possible. Give me a million. Give me two million. Then we invest it. We pump it back into the system. We buy stocks. We buy another house. And because it's so cheap for us to get the money, we can... Uh, we can create more and more and more money. And that's partially why there's so much inflation. So the idea, which is to me crazy, 
and she's she's alone in this, by the way, because most people uh, they they want interest rates to go up because it's it, everybody feels it's getting out of hand now, and interest rates are not supposed to be this low. This was an emergency measure. Money is not supposed to be super free because rich people will game it a lot more than poor people. Even if interest rates are zero percent, if you don't have any money, they're not going to loan you money. They're loaning money to people with money. Well, it requires collateral. That's right. So higher interest rates, although it kind of seems, yeah, it seems counterintuitive to people. It will keep the cost of things lower because people can't just get so much money and then compete against each other for limited goods. Everybody will have to take a haircut. Housing prices will go down a bit. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe not. (laughs) Maybe they'll never go down. But uh, interest rates got to go up, in my humble opinion. And I think that it's... I, that all makes sense to me. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I still think that what she is saying here in this, in this sort of snippet from her article is, is also true, that there are other things beyond just interest rates um, that will have an effect. And I, yeah, think, but- I think that raising interest rates will bring it down to a certain point, but there's other things that need to be addressed moving forward as well so that we have a more like it's more than just interest rates and numbers to to generate an economy. <laughs> Your dog doesn't like this. Like, I know. Yeah, the dog like, is I don't not, like it. Not raise interest it. rates, man. Yeah, he's not like, digging we it. need not to raise it. the interest rate. And again, I'm not saying I'm not saying that that I, I think that that's yeah, I a bad idea. I just think that maybe there's there's more things to it. Like that's what's worked in the past, and and it it will probably be an aid to what we're going to do in the future. But I think that given the circumstances that we've just gone through in the last two years with this pandemic and what it's done to our our workforce and what it's done to um, especially the poorest of the poor, how are we going to lift them up and and you know change like you said changing those interest rates? They could be zero, and they're still not going to lend the money. So it really there's like they're still stuck in these positions and how do we change that because elevating the poor out of the poor out of poverty will allow them to be more contributing to our economy which will allow us them to like it all of those things is, is positive for society and i don't see how raising interest rates has them in mind not to say that well therefore we shouldn't raise interest rates because that's absurd um, because it's like you said, it's going to have all these positive effects on everything else. But what else are we going to do to help elevate people out of poverty so that we can have a stronger, more robust economy? And hopefully that will, in addition to raising interest rates, help with the issue of inflation, which for the way that the poor interact with that is like lack of housing, lack of food, lack of like all of that sort of shit. So if we can get those basic necessities met, um, as well, I think that also will have a direct effect on inflation. I guess that's kind of what I was driving at with that article. Yeah, that, that there's other things going on, which I do agree with. It's just with what she, what the writer wrote. Uh, I'm always wary when somebody says climate change. You know, there's a lot of climate change reasons why uh, there's a lot of inflation. It's like, well, uh, she's just big, referencing that's a big word. I, I think, but you can to. you can well you can look at it like there's the way that. Our crop yield. She talks about it as a as a direct relation to crop yields and the mm-hmm. way that it's affecting our farmers and food production. I think that there's no argument that that's what's going on. We've seen way less food coming out of California as a result of 
whatever the climate change may be from, it's the ch climate has changed there and the area where they used to grow bountifuls of food, they're unable to grow the same bounty. So that's a problem. Um, I just, I just have trouble with it. During the pandemic, um, because uh, potatoes, a lot of potatoes get sold to restaurants, a lot, apparently. And same with like cabbage and, and a lot of stuff. And because restaurants for those few months were completely closed, there was a lot of extra potatoes and cabbage. And they ended up throwing a lot of it away. A lot of it got thrown away. So there was so much extra. Like, so what, 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 what flips me about this supply chain thing that they've been talking about this year is that we lived in a world of absolute abundance in 2019. There was no shortage of anything. We had too much of everything. People in, in uh, North America just eat and eat and eat and then throw food away and there's so much extra. But then within a year and a half, we're like, we're in the poorhouse. There's, uh, everything dried up. There's no more food. There's not enough cans. There's not enough aluminum. There's not enough microchips. It's like, it just seems fake. <laughs> or maybe like, or maybe it's uh, uh, or maybe it's super real <laughs> or maybe it just means that we were living more uh, closer to the edge than we'd even thought before that mm -hmm. the reason that we had all of this surplus was that shit was able to be brought in on a regular basis and as soon as you put any kink in that chain after three days it's like places are running out of food mm -hmm. so i think that's really the the issue uh, or not the issue, but like, that's a, a key point that like, uh, yeah, I really think that without the supply grocery stores, if you go three days without getting new stock coming into the grocery store, things start access to that sort of shit starts to change drastically. Mm -hmm. So therefore prices are going to go up um, because you just don't have the same supply as you had before, but you have the same demand and it got harder for you to get that shit to those shelves um, or to that plate or to whatever, right? Any insert X product here because yeah, during the pandemic, we've started to realize that very little shit gets made next door. Yeah. Um, and I think that having that reliance on shit to come from all over the place during a pandemic when everything kind of gets slowed down, shut down and things get difficult to operate in the same way makes it really difficult to have that consistent supply, therefore prices will go up. And I think all of these things that she's talking about, like lower yields and, you know, some fertile lands have had some really awful seasons that they've had really low crop yields. The migrant workers that have used to come across the border to come harvest all our crops up here in Canada and even in, in America has been altered. Their, their method in which they get up here and get back home has changed quite drastically that not the same amount of people can do it. So that is a huge effect. And unfortunately, people that live here don't want to do those jobs. <laughs> it's, yeah. They don't pay it's, very well. Which, yeah, that's a problem, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's a problem. So I think inflation goes higher than just interest rates. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You've convinced me a bit. There's, there's a, a lot going on. We should manufacture a lot more in Canada. Oh, I agree. Cheaper. You know, oh, same with the lobsters. Maybe we shouldn't export so many lobsters. Yeah, and maybe we should That's pay not free trade, in, though. instead of having a large dependency on migrant workers to harvest our crops and fields, maybe we pay people that live here a livable wage to do the work. I think like if you work in Canada, um, 
if you work for full time, 40 hours a week, so to speak, like you, you should be paid enough from that employment that you can live in the community that you live in. You shouldn't be forced to have to take subsidies or, or any of that sort of shit. And I think like it's a, it's an atrocity that someone works 40 hours in this country and can't support themselves or a family That's doing right. so. Yeah. And people don't want, it doesn't make you feel good to take handouts and subsidies. They want to just make enough money from their labor to live their life. And I think that's, that should be our goal as a country. I think you're 100% right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think those basic needs, like as soon as someone's basic needs are met and that's not something that they're struggling with, as someone that's, you know, been independent and poor on his own before, like I know what it's like to have to choose between paying your rent and, you know, eating meals or, you know, yeah. I, I, or like having to get really creative with where you get your food and how you get food and how to stretch shit really far and how to, you know, talk to your landlord really nicely so that she'll give you an extension on your rent. Like, you know, that's not a position that people should be in. In this country, if you're working, like I said, if you're working full time, those are not scenarios that you should find yourself worrying about. I agree, but we're not there yet, for sure. No, and I, I this is, yeah. that's the solution. How the fuck yeah. we get there? I, I'm not 100% sure how to do that. <laughs> Um, I just, you know, I'm a dreamer and I think that's yeah. the utopia and, and I think like that's the goal. And I hope, hopefully people that are pulling on the rope will get us to that goal. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'd like to just say this quickly. Um, I think one of the ways to get there is a $20 minimum wage. But a lot of people listening, they would say, well, Jonathan, you, you know, you're so against inflation. You don't like inflation. Won't $20 minimum wage cause even more inflation, which is a pretty valid response. But I always think about how electricity costs have gone up in the last like 15 years. They've gone up 35 or 40 percent, like some very high amount. Right. And uh, nobody complains. If businesses are spending way more money on electricity, we keep pumping up the price. Thank you, Hydro One. Yeah. And they, they're passing it right on to you. And they've been doing it for 15 years or they're going out of business because they're, they have electricity is one of the major costs, you know, insurance, electricity. But as, and so nobody complains about it. But as soon as I say, well, we should stop just paying humans 14, we should give them 20 or 25, they're like, that's an unacceptable rate. <laughs> I just noticed that people are more worried about inflation when it's people are going to get paid more, not when electricity costs a lot more or gas costs a lot more or oil costs a lot more. That doesn't seem to, the human part is what upsets people. <laughs> and I'm saying maybe we should shift that paradigm a bit and realize that the human part is the really most important part. That's why we're here is if, if it causes a little bit of inflation, you know what, if they can live, then we're all better off. That's my speech. 100% man. Nice. I, I couldn't agree more. I think if we can all live and we're all not worrying about those basic fucking necessities to take care of life, like food, shelter, warmth type shit, water, like that's like as soon as those basic needs are met, I think like people can start to breathe a little bit and be a little bit more relaxed and, and not feel so weighed down by life <laughs> I, I think the like, two sorry yeah no 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 that's it go ahead i think the two stories we talked about today really 
kind of came together in a weird way. <laughs> yeah. There's some overlap there, you know? Yeah, for sure. It was interesting. I, I think, like, we're talking about things that have affected the, you know, people who find themselves in, in desperate situations. Um, mm-hmm. I think the man in Fergus was in a desperate situation. Uh, and he was crying out for help and the help he got ended up taking his life. And I think that with inflation, like we said, it, it seems to affect the poorest of poor. And, and those, those people are now like you and I are seeing that like, Oh fuck, cauliflower rice costs some more money. Well, that's, that's an inconvenience. I think for other people, they're looking at it like, Oh my God, I have to choose between, paying my rent or paying for grocery bills. Well, fuck, or I have to feed going to the family dentist. or going, you know, yeah, more dire things, more, yeah. more things that have more consequences to your long-term health and have an effect on your mental health in the long run as well, too. And I think that it's a vicious cycle and it really sucks that we live in a society where we have plenty and we have bounty in which can be shared amongst all, but we have people that find themselves in, in these sort of situations and, and desperation and it sucks. It could be financial um, uh, problem or like it could be solved through like some financial help. It could be solved through some mental health help, some better understanding of mental health, some more compassion. Better community. Better, better community. community. I think more family. These things. Like you said, how inflation is oftentimes makes us feel like we're at war with one another. And when we're at war with one another, very few people profit, but they profit tremendously. And Good I think God. that when we work together, we all profit um, much. Like we, we all profit. <laughs> Maybe not the same way as uh, if you do when you're in the warfare version, if you're the profiteer. <laughs> But I think if we're looking at it as a collective, like we do, like we're a community, then we scale up our communities from, you know, the town that I live in to the country that we live in. Uh, I think, yeah, when we work together, it it just serves us better for everyone. And it's, yeah, it's unfortunate where it feels like there's so many things pulling us apart right now. That was beautifully said. Brought a tear to my eye. Oh. It was good. <laughs> All right, homie. Well, let's close it down. That was our our first episode. I, I thought that was fun. Lots to learn for sure. We'll be back next week. Um, Maybe with the same ramble. (laughs) (laughs) Two rambles for sure. Two ramble, ramble. Yeah. Double ramble. But yeah, we'll be back next week. We plan on doing this once a week. Uh, Probably get better at it. I hope. I think that we can improve as we go. Starting at the top. Here we go. (laughs) It's perfect. Um, but I'm Matt that's John right, and this has been Ramble Ramble thank you so much buddy you have a good day in the sunshine I will talk to you soon ciao